0: Well, good morning, faith family. It is a good, good day. You know, Easter is uh, one of those holidays that kind of keeps us on our toes, right? Um, I don't think any of you have to Google, when is Christmas, right? Right? But, you know, every year you go through the same routine that I do. Is like, when is Easter 2023? You know, like you find out. And there is some pattern and rhythm to it if we really wanted to know that and how they determine what the date is. Um, but, but there are other things as well. And, and maybe for some of you, this is a, a new environment, right, where you come into a space and place where um, we bring kids on stage and they sing. Or people are lifting their hands, closing their eyes. Maybe uh, outside of a concert, you're like, wait a minute, why did they just lower the lights? Like you're like checking where are the exits? Um, for others of you, like, this is, this is your routine, right? You, you come on Sundays, you worship with us, you worship somewhere. For others of you, you're here because friends or family invited you. Uh, either way, we're glad that you're here. Um, there, there are things that happen, right? Like Jake already illustrated, you, you say a phrase like, he is risen. See, that's kind of weird, right? Hey? Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, exactly, I didn't know what to say. See, it, it goes way back to the early Christians. See, the early Christians, they would the, the early disciples and followers of Jesus to to know if someone else was a follower of Jesus would say that, would say, He is risen. And if they didn't respond back, He's risen indeed, they knew this was a moment that they could share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone, right? Or if they heard that phrase and, and they heard back, He is risen indeed, they knew that they were talking with a brother or sister in Christ, another fellow disciple of Jesus. And so, um, I you know I don't, I don't have Facebook, but, but I've heard that a lot of churches put out Facebook ads. I don't have Instagram either, but I've heard, and you've seen them if you've got either one of those, right? The Facebook ads about Easter Sunday. Um, and, and listen, this is not uh, knocking those, but um, here at the Parks Church, I want to make one thing clear. Um, that, that this is not a, a show. This is not about uh, thrills and frills. This is all about Jesus. And, and I was reading in uh, the, the book of John, the gospel of John. Uh, Chapter 12, and I believe it's verse 21, and near the end of Jesus' life, and there were some Greeks that came into uh, Jerusalem. And they come up to Jesus' disciples, and they they talk to one of his disciples, and they say, Sir, we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And whether you realize it or not, all of our hearts here, they're longing to see and to know Jesus. Right? Not, not, Not to see people all dressed up in pastels and stripes, not, 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 not to see a, an experience of a, of, of a church community. Listen, the church is as good as they are pointing to the one everyone wants to see, and that's Jesus, amen? amen. Not to have some experience that wow and awe us. No, we want to be wowed and awed by the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. That's the core of Christianity, right? That's the core of our faith, that, that, that it's not about a new form of morality, It's not about behaving better or modifying your behavior. It's not even about a set of religious rules or regulations. But the core of who we are as Christians is this, what we have been announcing over and over this morning in song. Jesus is alive. The core of who we are is attached to an empty tomb. And so I want to echo John 12. We want to see Jesus. Sir, so we, we, we just want to see Jesus. And so our prayer has been for weeks and weeks that in this space and in this place, as we do every Sunday, but particularly in this Easter one, we see Jesus clearly. So one of the things we love here at the Parks Church is the word of God. And so I invite you to turn with me to the book of First John. Right? I know some of you are programmed to turn to Hebrews. Right? Not Hebrews this morning. We'll be there next week. Uh, if you're new, typically what we do is we preach through books of the Bible and we've been making our way through the book of Hebrews. But this morning on Easter Sunday, I want us to go to the book of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And so you heard Audrey uh, read uh, the, the Easter story, the empty tomb. And I want to jump off of that here in, in 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 6 through 12. And if you would, in honor of God's word, stand with me. If you don't have your copy of God's word, it'll be on the screen behind me. And this is what it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree. And if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. Remember that. The testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, key in here, that God gave us eternal life and this life is in the Son. Whoever has the Son has life. And to that we say, Amen, right? Amen. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. This is the word of The Lord. So for the last week, uh, we have been celebrating big time here at the Parks Church. How many of you were with us last Sunday at Baptism Sunday out on the square? Yeah, it was awesome. Just an incredible time of hearing uh, testimonies, right? Hearing how God has transformed people's lives and saved them and redeemed them. And then publicly professing that by wading into the waters of baptism. Something that's interesting in Christianity is this idea of testimony. And what you heard in First John chapter 5, verses 6 through 12, literally 12 times in those passages, either the word testimony or testify is in there. Now, testimonies are a big deal. I don't think we really understand the significance of them outside of the legal realm, right? The law. And, and so can I, can I admit something this morning? Um, we'll see how this goes over, if I use it in 1045 or not. But uh, I like to watch Dateline. Anybody else? Right, forty-eight hours? All those? No. Okay. Anyway, um, it has been quite educational for me uh, in these, uh, you know, uh, these shows that I watch, and uh, I mean, I've, I, I, you can name it, right? Like a late-night walk in a park, right, by yourself without a dog—bad deal, right? Love triangles. When I hear that, I'm like, somebody's dying, right? <laughs> Somebody's dying, right? Or, 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 or large life insurance policies that were just purchased. I'm like, I've got this one, right? But there's always in, in, in these date lines or in these 48 hours, when they get to the scene where they're, they're in the courtroom, where there is just like this, this testimony, right? And it opens the case wide open where the, somebody was like, I was in the woods and I saw, you know, like what? You know? And there's this testimony. And we understand it from that regard. And we understand our testimonies, even of how we were saved as believers. However, what 1 John keys in on, that's what I told you to pay attention to, is not the testimony of men and women, but the testimony of who? God himself. And it goes in 1 John It says that the testimony of God is greater than every other testimony. And so here we sit, Easter Sunday. And Easter has a testimony. A testimony... From God himself. And so the question I want to ask you this morning. What is the testimony of Easter? We heard the scene. You probably in fact have known it. Right? You, you know the scene. You could walk through it. Right? With the women who arrive at the tomb. The angels there. The stones rolled back. The tomb's empty. What's that testimony? What does that tell us about God? What is God communicating to us about himself? Well... Our Bibles, the Word of God, from Genesis, the first book, all the way to Revelation, is the full testimony of God. Is the full story of God revealing himself. And so the first testimony of Easter is this. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about himself. And so what we find in our Bibles is this, is the testimony of God about himself is that he is holy. He's perfect. you know what holy means? It simply means set apart, that he's set apart from everything and everyone, that he is, he's perfect, right? He's without flaw, and he's good. That's the testimony of God about himself, okay? And some of you are like, I question that last word. I question that last word that God is really good. Is he really good? And I want you to hold that speculation or doubt in your hand loosely this morning. Because I think what you're going to find and see in the testimony of Easter, in the full extent, if you'll hear the testimony of God through Easter, is that yes, he's good. And I, if I have to guess, because I know your heart like I is probably similar to my heart, the reason I question God's goodness is because I'm putting my definition of good upon God. I'm saying, well, you're good if you do this. Or don't do this. God, I see this and this is not good in my definition. But we don't get to define what is good. The one who is holy and perfect. God himself defines what is good. And he's about to show us in this testimony of Easter. But that is the first testimony. That God's perfect and holy and good. And the second testimony of Easter is about you. Is about me. And the Bible declares that we are not those things that God is. Right? You all laugh because you're like, yeah. I, I, no, no, I was going to say I challenge someone. But somebody would take me up on that challenge, so I'm not going to go there. We're not. In fact, the, the greatest letter ever written in our Bibles, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, a very famous verse says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the what? The glory of God, the goodness, the perfection, the holiness for how many people? All oh, pretty encompassing, right? Like the, he didn't say, yeah, uh, uh, all of you, except you guys who are in ministry, you gals who are in No, all of us, right? All of you have fallen short. Why? Because we are marked with sin. And so the testimony of Easter starts with God moves to us that he is perfect and holy and good, moves to us and goes, you're not. And the reason you are not is because sin entered through you and fractured this. Fractured with this good, right, and holy and perfect God designed, right? The Garden of Eden Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. We entered the scene right where sin comes in in Genesis chapter 3 and everything is splintered and fractured and we feel that. That's why when I said, you're not that, we all laugh because we're like, yeah, I'm not. And some of you, you say that even going, I can't even believe I'm in church this morning. Like I, like Sam was singing about lightning, and I'm like, you know, where is it? Others of you, you're going, yeah, I'm, I'm not God, but I'm not that bad. I'm not that I'm. I'm better than my neighbor, right? Who's not here, I don't think, right? Okay. But the testimony of Easter is that we've all, all sinned. We're all plagued with sin. You see, Easter, what it does, the testimony, it levels the playing field. That there's not one single person in here who could walk on this stage and go, I'm good enough. I've done all the good deeds. I, I, I'm moral enough to have a relationship with this holy, perfect God. Remember, he's other. We just talked about standing between. There's something that stands in between us. Why would we need something to stand in between God and us? Because we're different. He's holy, he's perfect, he's good. And he, sorry for all the bad news this morning, but it's gonna get better. You're not. And so something has to stand in between. What is that? That's the next testimony of Easter Jesus. So when you just sang, when you heard these lyrics, nothing stands between us except love. Love is not an emotional feeling. Love is not these warm and fuzzies. It's not the quiver in the liver. It's not the tingle in the spine. Love is an actual person. Jesus is love. Jesus is the one who stands between this holy, righteous, perfect, good God and you and me. Sinners, people who have fallen short, you know what sin is? Like, Oftentimes people will look at behavior and they look at this or not doing this and that. that's sin. No, that's sinning. Those are just evidences of what we are at our core, okay? We sin, we rebel against God. In our nature, we run the other way. Until what happens? That one who stands between us, Jesus, makes a way for us to have a relationship with this holy and perfect and good God. That is Jesus. When we say nothing stands between us but love, don't mistake that for a feeling. I want you to know very clearly this Easter Sunday but that what stands between us is the person of Jesus Christ. The one that we celebrate every single day of our lives as Christians. The one that we have gathered here to celebrate and sing and rejoice. The one that vacated the grave is the one that stands between us. The one who 1 John 4, just a chapter earlier, defines as what? Love. 1 John 4, 8. God is love. You want to know what love is? The testimony of God tells us. Love is this. That an innocent man, in fact, God himself, would lay down his life for you and me. Rebels, sinners, people who would oppose God in our flesh. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. The demonstration of that love is Christ laying down his life. That's good news. That's good news. Um, I now have three kids. You saw two of them on the stage. Um, and I've tried to stop using words uh, like always and never. I've shared this with the church before, always and never. Words like um, everything and Nothing. Right, as parents, didn't, didn't you do that before you had kids, right? You're talking about how you would parent your child. You're like, I will never say, because I said so. <laughs> I'm on my third child in the why stage, and he is full-blown why stage right now at three, all right? And the best answer is always, because I said so, right? <laughs> Tessa, my wife, and I are trying out some new ones, like, because I'm awesome, and it's not flying as well, all right? It's not flying as well. But early on, we are like, we'll never say that. We'll never be those parents who take the shortcut of because I said so. My parents did that. I'm never doing it, right? Like, and here we are three years into saying that multiple times. Or we'll never feed our kids sugar. <laughs> My kids raided the donut table an hour before you got here, all right? but I want to use one of those words here. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. It changes absolutely everything in our lives and in this world. I'll say it again. Everything we believe as Christians, as Christ followers, as disciples of Jesus, hinges upon the empty tomb. And here's where the rubber meets the road, right? Where we have this holy and perfect God. Where we are not, we're not in that camp. We are over here. But love has made a way in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Here's where the rubber meets the road. We all have to do something with Jesus. We all have to make a decision what we do with an empty tomb. How do we we reconcile the story that Audrey read? Where these women, right? They come to this tomb, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. How would you like to be known as the other Mary in this story? Like, and they come and they go, it's, he's not here. They had a decision to make. You have a decision. I have a decision to make every time I'm confronted with the reality that the tomb is empty. You see, the resurrection confronts us with the greatest reality and truth on the planet, the greatest testimony on the planet. That our sins have been forgiven. That the weight of Good Friday put upon Jesus' shoulders, the perfect, innocent God, man, the Son of God, that his payment was accepted. Resurrection is the proof of that. The resurrection confronts us with that great reality, or, hear me very clearly, or the most terrifying reality in testimony that 1 John talked about. That apart from repentance... Guess what? We're still separated from God. We're still in our sin. You see, if the resurrection didn't happen, we have every reason, every reason to be fearful out of our minds. Because we're still dead in our sin. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. And if Christ has not yet been raised, if he's, if he's not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. That's the apostle Paul going, listen, if this didn't happen, like we should all just pack up, put the pastels away. We're singing over nothing. We're still in our sin. But here is what we believe and announce specifically on Easter Sunday that Jesus is not dead, he's alive. And so, what does that mean? We can be forgiven. His forgiveness has been approved by God himself, and we can live in that reality. And to that, for us as Christians, we take what? A big, deep breath and sigh and go, glory to God. He's alive. And oftentimes, that's where we stop with the resurrection. We stop going. We stop at the place of going, the tomb is empty. I'm forgiven for my sins. Praise be to God. But there's another testimony that God continues in his word. And here is the testimony of Easter. You ready for it? The last one. God's not finished. God is not finished. Now he's finished with the forgiveness. Right? John 1930. Jesus echoed from the cross, "It is finished. The work for the forgiveness of your sins was done. it was paid for. the tomb is empty. However, our God is not done working in and through His spirit. That's what First John talks about. There are three that testify: water, blood and the Holy Spirit. Like, what are the other two, right? Water, you want to know what it was? It was Jesus' baptism. What happened to Jesus' baptism? If you remember, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. He comes out of the water, right? And what does God the Father say? This is my son in whom I'm pleased. This is my son. The blood, right? We talked a lot about that on Good Friday, that that word speaks forgiveness over us, right? And now we have the Holy Spirit moving and magnifying Jesus, that telling the testimony of the resurrection. That is what is taking place. And the testimony of the resurrection is this that the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, is at work and alive in you, and you, and you, and you. And so let me describe that. Let me spend the rest of our time describing how God's not finished. God to this day, right now, is still restoring. He's still saving. He's still redeeming. He's still reconciling all things back to himself. You don't believe me? Trust the testimony of God. Look at this, Revelation 21. What does it say? And he who is seated on the throne, that's God, behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down. In other words, hey, remember this testimony. Remember that I said this. Write this down. Why? Because it's trustworthy and true. In other words, you can take it to the bank that God is making all all things new. That is not just for you peering in, wondering what Christianity is about, making you new, but it's also for you, Christian, that he is making your life new. He's reconciling, he's redeeming, he's, bra- he's bringing broken things back together. You see, the power of the resurrection is alive and well today. Right now, in this moment, You see, there is only one place that ultimately answers our deepest fears and our deepest anxieties. That is the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is proof, it is proof that what flows in us through the Holy Spirit is the resurrection life of Christ. The cross confirms what is true about us, that the wages of our sin are death and Jesus paid them. And the resurrection is the glorious response of our God to his son and our sin. The resurrection puts everything in our lives into perspective. It gives meaning to those moments, maybe that many of you are walking in right now, where they don't have any quick answers, where you can't flip to a a verse in a chapter, where our anxieties and our emotions and our fears can be on overdrive. And one of my fears as a pastor is this, is that for many of us, the resurrection has become some disconnected theological point that we know is necessary, but has very little outworking in our lives. When people experienced the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when they saw the empty tomb, when they saw the resurrected Christ, their lives were radically changed. Sir, let me see Jesus. Why? Because Jesus, when you encounter him, will change your life. You see, sin has a way of showing up and working itself out in our lives in all different shapes and sizes, doesn't it? In the forms of selfishness and idolatry and anger and addictions and ruined relationships. How does the resurrection speak to those? Well, Romans 6, we often quote this in baptism. I want you to listen to it, maybe with fresh ears this morning. It says, therefore, if we are buried with him by baptism into his death... Death That just like Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also can walk in newness of life. When we experience the death and life of Christ, we then have the pattern of Christ in our lives to walk in newness of life. Not a reformed one, not just a cleaned up version, right, where we just put on our fancy clothes, take a shower maybe, right? But no, a new life. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All old things are passed away. And behold, all things become... What? Say it louder. Not reformed. Not modified. Not tweaked here, tweaked there. No, completely new. Now, leave that verse up there. The word behold is a very interesting word biblically, okay? And I don't mean to nerd out on you here, but I want you to read your Bibles when you see the word behold. It is a precursor to a miracle, right? The Christmas story, the words behold behold is there. Remember where I talked about Jesus starting in his ministry with John the Baptist when he looks in John chapter one, the gospel of John, and he looks and he sees Jesus walking to him. Do you know the first words out of John's mouth? Behold, behold. Here comes the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world, the love that's going to stand in between us. Here he is, behold, this miracle, that same word now used for you and me. Behold, you've been made new. And not just you've been saved, but you're being made new. You're being made new today. In First John, back to the passage I read originally. First John five ten. If this is the testimony of Easter, that God is holy and perfect and good, that we are not, that He has made a way for us in Christ to be in relationship with Him, that God is not finished renewing and making all things new. Here's what First John five verse ten says: that whoever believes in the Son of God, get this has the testimony in himself. How amazing is that? That the God of the universe who is giving his testimony then places that testimony, that story, right, in you and in me. That we are a people who believe that the tomb is empty and because of that, Jesus is making all things new. So get this, Jesus is not only able to forgive us from every sin, But here's what Jesus is also doing. He is reversing and restoring anything that sin has ruined. Amen? Amen. And it's ruined a lot. Do you feel that? Do you feel the brokenness? Do you feel the pain in your life and us corporately? Jesus is restoring all things. He's restoring broken marriages. He's breaking chains of addiction. He renews and rebuilds what sin has wrecked. That's the testimony of God. And so maybe you're sitting here. And maybe you're quietly and secretly struggling through something, even as a believer. Listen, the word for you this morning, the resurrection life that is in you is this. God is making all things new. He's restoring you. He's restoring those relationships. He's calling you away from those sinful habits and addictions. And listen, there is a day coming when God will remove the curse of death entirely from our lives. And he will heal every injustice and he will heal every wound. And on that day, God says he will wipe every tear from our eye. And he will make things new finally and completely. But hear me, believer. He is doing that in you today. Christianity is not a faith. And maybe some of you have have believed this or you've been fooled by it. It's not a faith that says, hey, just fake it till you make it. Right? Right? Especially on Easter Sunday, like, hey, just, just you, you got to put on a smile and walk in. No, it's one of honest truth that speaks to our deepest pain. And I love what Pastor John Piper says about Easter. Listen to these words. He says, Easter doesn't suppress our pain. It doesn't minimize our loss. It bids our burdens stand as they are in all their weight, with all their threats. And this risen Christ, with the brilliance of indestructible life in his eyes, says to these, I will claim them in victory. That pain you're experiencing, that fear, that anxiety, that depression, whatever you're walking through, that physical sickness... Jesus is going, I will claim that in victory. He says, these two will serve your joy. These, even these, I will make. Jesus will make an occasion for rejoicing. How does he do that? How does Jesus do that? The testimony of God tells us. 1 Corinthians 15. And this is how I'll end. Death is swallowed up in victory. Good Friday Sunday is a picture of that, a picture of salvation coming. But this is also a picture for you and me. And it goes on to say, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, the pain and the struggle of life, all of these things that we see fractured individually and corporately because of sin, God will use them as part of our victory to make us understand and see Him more. And one day, God will use all of those things so that we might truly and finally experience Him unhindered by the things of this world, unencumbered by the pains and the questions of this world. And so hear me, the testimony of this, of Easter is this. The final word in your life, in my life, is not sin or death. The final word is the rest with the word of God himself, Jesus. In his final word, when you are in him, is life. Life to dry bones Life to weary souls, life to brokenness, life to physical pain. This is the testimony of Easter. Life is the final word for those in Christ. Christ is risen. Praise be to God. And so if you would stand with me. See, I know on a Sunday like this, um, we just come from a hundred a thousand different places and spaces to this one moment to hear the gospel, to hear that we are not saved. We're not redeemed by our good works. We're not redeemed by our church attendance. We're redeemed through the shed blood of Jesus Christ alone, that that is salvation, that's what the testimony of God points to, that it points to eternal life that is found in Jesus Christ alone. And so, for you this morning, the most important plea I could make for you is that you would put your faith and trust in Christ. That you'd, you'd, you'd acknowledge, I've, I've tried, I've tried everything in my power to, to, to minimize that chasm, that thing that stands between us, right? That holy, perfect, good God in me. There's one thing that stands between and that's Jesus. It's not your religious performance. It's not more doing, it's Jesus. And so my plea for you this morning would be that you would trust in him. That you would acknowledge the second testimony saying, listen, I have failed, I've rebelled against God and I wanna trust in Christ, the only way of salvation. So I pray that you would do that this morning. And for those of you that have, those of you that have trusted in Christ, I hope what you have heard this morning is that God is not finished. That the final word wasn't even an empty tomb. It's that that same God who resurrected over death, hell, and the grave is alive and at work in you through the Holy Spirit today. Redeeming, reconciling, healing, restoring. That's the testimony of Easter. That's the testimony of the church. And so I'm gonna pray for us. And if, if you find yourself, maybe, maybe particularly in a season where you are just you're just weary, you're struggling, maybe you just put your hands out like this. Right? Put your hands out like this. Maybe you find yourself in that first group, maybe you just put your hands out like this as an act and physical posture of surrender. I'm gonna do it, and I invite you to join with me as well. Father, God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for your testimony that is greater. It is the greatest, in fact, the word of God. The word that speaks, the testimony that speaks to exactly where we are. It testifies to the truth of our pain. It testifies to the truth of our need. It testifies to to the truth of our deepest desire, and that is to know you. And so, Jesus, I pray for my friends who have their hands lifted like I do, that you would meet us in this place of desperation. You'd meet us in this place with that resurrection power that is alive in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in us. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us as a community, as a church, to walk in that power. And God, I pray for those struggling with addictions, those struggling in broken relationships and pain. Maybe things that are known and things that are unknown, Lord, that you would that in you there would be freedom and life this morning God, I pray for those struggling in physical sickness Lord, that you would bring healing and restoration and God, you would give us the confidence and the steadfastness to wade through these things in this broken world with the hope of the resurrection with the hope of Christ that he is alive and that in him we have life Father, I pray for those with their hands extended, pleading for Jesus to save them. Lord, you said, if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths, you would save us. Lord, you're saving this morning. You're saving in this place. You're saving across our city because the gospel is going forth. So Lord, I pray that just as that empty tomb radically changed those who encountered it, Lord, I pray that the encounter of the testimony of God this morning in Christ would change us forever. We love you. It's in Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen.